Welcome to the Passel Podcast CMO Series. Hello and welcome to the Passel CMO Series Podcast. I'm Charlie Knight and in this special edition of the series, I'm lucky enough to sit down with Tom Algar, co-founder of Passel, to discuss the essential elements that make up a successful content marketing strategy. Designed to overcome the unique challenges that law firms and other professional services businesses face, Tom is going to talk through the four pillars of professional services content marketing, what they are and why they're so critical to getting your thought leadership program right. So welcome, Tom. Hello, Charlie. Thanks for having me on. Good to have you on. If you're okay, we'll we'll get straight into the questions. Um, But I guess before we look at the four pillars and, and what those actually are, Um, and mean to firms. Can you just give us a bit of background on the challenge or the problem that this framework tackles? So the the, the problem really is that content marketing can be quite amorphous. So when you're trying to work out what to do, it it can feel a bit like a a bit of a soup. Um, And the the idea with the four pillars is just to provide some, some simple bedrock that you absolutely must have, the processes you must have in order for it to be successful. Um, so it's not around the marketing part of it, which is, you know, the audience, um, what's the message, tone of voice, all that sort of stuff. This is this is actually the, the the simple steps you must go through in order to have a successful content marketing program. OK, that's really helpful. Thank you. Tom, can you give our listeners uh, an overview of the four pillars of content marketing? And then we can kind of delve into those in a bit more detail. Yes, um, of course. Um, so the, the, the four pillars are having an author centric publication process, having clear governance, uh, having broad, a broad distribution, so create once and publish everywhere, uh, and and also feedback. Uh, and, and the point is that you really need to have all four of those things in place. It's not sort of a three out of four will do um, situation. You actually have to have all of those processes in place and then and, uh, have a successful program. Right. And, and and why, I guess, is that so important, relevant to professional services firms in particular? Well, the, 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 the unique problem for professional services is that if you're a content marketing specialist and that's your job, then you will actually have all these things set up. So when you arrive at work in the morning, you will have access to wherever you're publishing the, the, the content. So let's say it's on the website, it's on WordPress or it's on Sitecore or whatever it might be, or Medium. Um, You'll have uh, image editing tools. You'll probably have uh, podcast tools, uh, video tools, all that sort of stuff is part of that because that's your job. Um, The problem for professional services is um, that they they have none of those, that the the, the authors have none of those tools and they don't have any of the other pillars. They don't have an easy way of getting things published. They don't have an easy way of distributing it and they don't get, feedback so the, the the problem for professional services is is not that it's a unique challenge it's just that you're trying to do trying to solve that problem at, at scale for a large number of authors because you want those experts creating the content you can't just it's that that's the real problem is how to get those experts engaged creating the content mm, yeah no that that makes sense um and so looking at those four pillars then you kind of gave us a brief overview um there so when you talk about um author-centric publication um what do you mean by that and, and why is that so key um yeah so the 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 what you're trying to do is so that the the, the expert the consultant is is creating this content maybe 10 or 20 times a year so it's an unfamiliar environment each time so what you've got to do is make it extremely clear what's going on for for, for that group and make it really engaging um and 
make it easy, make it engaging. Um, and so you might say, oh, well, that's fine. We can get people to use Microsoft Word. They, they're very familiar with Microsoft Word. They can create the content there. But actually, when you're trying to get that content and create it, make it into a real uh make it make it live as it were get it published you've got issues like tagging like where should it where where should it appear on the website for example um what about multiple authors and you've got this kind of this friction that's basically what it ends up being um and you have versioning so you write a write you write a copy you you, you send it to somebody else to have a look at it they come back they've changed it now you've got two versions of it and and, and what it does is it makes it extremely difficult to do this stuff at scale because you've just got well, as I say, this 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 friction. So you're kind of pushing a car with a with the brakes on kind of situation. Mm, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure our listeners. Um, I'm sure many of them are, are sat here, kind of nodding as, as you say that, and have experienced um, that very thing. So, yeah, that 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 all makes sense. Um, and I guess moving on to the second pillar, clear governance. Can you tell us more about what that looks like and and why it's vital? Yeah, it's it's quite um it's, it's related to the the first one insofar as it's about scale um it it's knowing having lots of people who are non-specialists knowing how to get this stuff who they should send it to who does it um how they get signed off uh is it easy to sign it off um and and also finally is it is it fast because you've got to get you need to if you're making a point about what's going on in the market there's no point making it in three weeks time it's you've got to make it you know in, in hours rather than days um so kind of a good example of this um that was a long time ago now but um it was in a previous business we um i'd written a blog post about about our, our niche area and i was very pleased with it and i sent it off to the to uh, our pr specialist to get it to sign it off and put it live and uh, i sent it off and you've obviously got the whole uh, imposter syndrome issue that you're feeling a bit kind of, oh gosh, um, are they all going to laugh at me sort of thing? So anyway, eventually sent it off. Um, and then he, he didn't get back to me um, that day. And I remember thinking, oh, it's probably fine. Uh, and then a couple of weeks went by. And I started thinking that he he didn't he didn't want to get back to me because it was so embarrassingly poor that he didn't want to tell me that it was dreaded, you know, like one of the one um, of those situations and uh anyway eventually I met him months and months later actually at a, at a party because I knew him personally and and uh, I, I eventually got into this thing and it turned out I sent it to the wrong email address but it's a really uh, good example of the sort yeah. of thing that happens you've got this kind of and that never got published and we never did have a newsletter and, and that was it was just a really good example of how, how these things fall over on the on the on the smallest issues so yeah, no, and I guess, yeah, it's just kind of removing those barriers and, and like you say, the, those kind of human error things that, that kind of get in the way of things sometimes, um, like your story exactly. there. Exactly. Um, and I guess just your point around kind of scale and, and speed, I think it's something we've heard a lot about from other CMOs on the podcast, actually. And do, do you think that that's kind of um, changed, you know, obviously recent events of the, the past few years, um, it really does feel like the, the speed at which people need to respond and react to things in the market has has really um, kind of accelerated. Um, do, do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if, if you're, if you're working in a digital environment, um, people aren't going into offices as much as they were, and so that they're they're looking to their lawyers and consultants to provide them with expertise. But they're used to going online and reading the newspapers, and the newspapers are minutes old. 
um, or, or most hours old. And so that's their expectation. So turning up with something three weeks after the event is is just looks unprofessional and, and incompetent um, nowadays. So you've got to yeah you've got to, you've got to do things you've got to do things quickly and 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 get it to your market um, yeah rapidly. Frankly. The point of which you have the, the the piece of intelligence is at that same time. So there's no particular. The only reason it would be late is through uh, a, a poor process. It's not that the content hasn't been written. Um, so mm. so that there's no there's no reason for that to be a problem as far as I see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great. So so moving on to the third pillar then, um, create once, publish everywhere. I, I guess it sounds fairly self-explanatory. But what does that look like in practice and how can firms get it right? Yeah, so um, again, if you're, if you're a professional, you will have relationships with, with um, magazines, you'll have access to the website to get it published uh, and all, all sorts of um, processes like that. But again, for the individual, so what you've got to do is set up a process whereby you can get the content live, wherever that might be, and then also a, a system whereby people can easily publish it out to, to the key place they want to. So the obvious one is to get your consultants and lawyers to put it onto their LinkedIn profile. So some way of doing that, because their key, their networks are absolute gold dust. That, that they're, the, you know, they're, they're your clients. So you definitely want to enable that. Um, but then also um, have, a, have a way of getting onto um, newsletters easily, um, automated digests is fantastic. So the whole point is not to add in manual processes where you can possibly avoid it. Uh, and then, um, then there's other um, really good networks, people like uh, for, uh, like JD Supra, uh, Lexology, Mondac, all have excellent networks. And again, you want to be able to automate the process by which it goes on to those, um, those platforms, um, again, to remove friction uh, and, and make the whole thing um, timely and, and easy to get done. Yeah, so I guess it's about it's optimizing the content that you have, you know, making the most out of its value and, and getting it everywhere rather than, you know, creating Absolutely. it once, publishing it once, and then having to create more content because no one saw the first one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's exactly week. right. I mean, the, 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 it's a, it, it, is, it is an effort to create good content. There's, there's no denying it. So to not distribute it as widely as makes sense Mm. Um, is 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 crazy really the cost of creating the content is is has already been laid down by mm. making by writing it in the first place or creating the podcast or whatever it is in the first place so not distributing it is 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 is, is not not a good plan mm. okay so th the final pillar then um relevant feedback so why is feedback so important and how can firms go about evidencing the impact of their thought leadership um, in a way that's meaningful. Yeah, so I'm, I must say I'm kind of a bit of a late convert to the whole feedback idea, um, which is, sounds ridiculous. But the um, I, I've, there's a good analogy that somebody gave me once, which is when you if you go ten pin bowling and you if you, if you were to roll the ball down and just before it hit pins, this big black curtain came down and you could never see how many pins were rolled and were knocked over. You would you would never you never do it twice right you would never mm. throw the ball twice and that's that's how important it is in, in 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 this environment if you can't tell the key people who are creating the content what happened what the value of their content that the the effort that they put into it was then they're, they're simply not going to do it twice um so that feeding back to the authors is absolutely critical otherwise your your program will fail there's no no, no doubt about it um but also you you need to feed back to the various different 
um, stakeholders. So um, you might want to feedback directly to the lawyer or consultant, but you also want to feedback to that, that to the to the sector itself. So or the that, that that division. So how is that team doing in creating content for its market? So how many reads has it had this month? Um, and then and then and, and then equally up in layers. So to different people, you want to provide different tools and different um, analytics. So the BD professionals might be very comfortable um, going into Google Analytics or they or, or some more complex um, uh, data. Um, but for the consultants, you're typically trying to give them the key nugget that really makes a difference the one person who read this thing who they're trying to who, who their key, key client and they're build, building an infrastructure project that's going to last 10 years that's the person they really want to influence and the other you know 50 000 people who, who read that content over the far past year is 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 irrelevant so you've got to really try and break it down and work out what's interesting to what what group um and if you do when everyone can see the value then they'll just go and go and go again. They'll do, they, if you can show them the value, they'll do it. Everybody knows in there, everyone knows that content marketing is a good idea. That's, you don't have to sell that. And it's completely axiomatic for uh, lawyers and consultants who've been standing on stages and, and doing lunch and learns for hundreds of years. That's how they've been doing business for a very long time. So they completely understand the power of content marketing, mm. but you've got to give them the feedback. And when you're, on stage, you can see people nodding in the audience, and you can see people agreeing with you. And they come and ask you after the after the speech, "Oh, that was really interesting. I'd love to get you in to talk about this, that, and the other." And mm. um, but you just you don't get that on on the on the web, and you don't get that with content very easily. So you've got to make an effort to make sure that people do get that feedback. Um, it's absolutely critical. And if you do, then it will work. No yeah. Doubt. Yeah. And I, and I suppose there's a there's a kind of competition element to it, isn't there? You know, it, if you kind of know how many reads your content or views it's getting, you can kind of start benchmarking it and comparing it to to your peers um, or, or even, you know, to your own work. And, and it becomes, um, you know, a, a bit of a competition in, in that respect. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and gamifying it is definitely a, 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 a strong approach the, mm. that, that really the, the, the gamification piece is really just um uh sort of enable some, enable people to do what they what they already want to do it makes something fun that mm. they know they should do and so it's really really helpful particularly in the in the launch process when you're setting it up to go through that um to just just to add a bit of um just a bit of add a bit of fun to it um but you're right just generally speaking benchmarking um particularly for 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 lawyers um is 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 an absolute um it's an absolute must everyone everyone loves that and I guess the ultimate goal you know with with all of this uh, thought leadership programs is is you know winning new business retaining talent you know um attracting talent to, to the firm so um I suppose it, it's kind of being able to to evidence that as well isn't it in, in time being able to see those links between the people that, that are seeing your content and then um seeing how those conversations start uh, and see that business you know come in um in the longer term absolutely yeah yeah and that if you can get those real world um those real world stories um, the thing about b2b is it's 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 uh, it's, it's all about small numbers so actually the mm. fact that, that a person or three people mentioned this post and they happen to be involved on whatever project it is actually that's a that's a real that's a real killer in that so that's where the real value is um so those those um those um those stories and and also just and in and in doing that they when creating content some authenticity 
uh, is important, which is kind of part of that same process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's wonderful. Thank you, Tom. Um, really helpful to to hear more about the four pillars and, and what that means for businesses. Um, so I guess that the last thing um, we like to ask on the podcast, as our regular listeners will know, um, is to ask you your key piece of advice um, or takeaway uh, that you would offer to any other marketing and BD professionals out there looking to implement um, a successful content marketing program. Um, well, other than the things I've just said above, mm. um, which is about process, um, I think it's it's really, um, and again, I'm not saying that anybody who's in marketing, this is self-evident, but it's just really, really important to go back and think about who your audience is. Um, because in B2B, it's quite easy to to start to think that the, that the numbers of of people who are seeing stuff is 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 relevant but actually we almost all work in niche markets of one kind or another and so 99.9 percent of people are just not relevant um and in actual fact if, if they are reading it then probably the stuff you're saying isn't actually as pertinent uh, and and as focused as maybe it should be so i i would just say don't be scared of small numbers small numbers are fine you know that's the and that's kind of the dirty secret of, of, of B2B marketing is that actually the, it's just the right, the right dozen people are far better than the 50,000 wrong people. So I, that would just, just go back and focus on that, on that and, and try and be um, as harsh about it as you possibly can, I think. Brilliant advice. Um, and so, yeah, I guess quality over quantity then in terms yeah, of the audience. Excellent. So um, just to round things off um, with a bit of fun, hopefully, um, should we get straight into our quick fire round? Why not? <laughs> so first question, what's your favourite business and non-business book? Um, so actually on the topic uh, that we've just talked about, we have a book in the office called Hooked by a guy called Nir Ayal, which is about creating processes. So the, the hook being a... a, a, a um, a process you 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 have a trigger you, you something happens you give feedback there's a trigger something happens and feedback and it's just quite an interesting book uh, about that just like most business books it's actually if you read the first two chapters you're you're probably fine you don't have to necessarily <laughs> dig into the second hundred pages but um, that's a that's a that's a good one um, and then on the non-business book I, I, this is just because I was in a bookshop recently and I read this book a while ago. Um, and there's a book called um, Summer by Edith Wharton. So I read a bunch of her books a few years ago and um, I, yeah, I saw this question and I thought, uh, you know, that's one that popped into my head and it's absolutely terrific. But there's lots of, you know, there's lots of good books in the world, but that was a good one. Good. I'll, I'll take a look at those. Um, and question two, what was your first job? So I don't know what my, whether it's my first job, but I, it was certainly when I was very young and it was, it was um, uh, selling burglar alarms um, door to door. <laughs> And the thing, by, I was 17 or whatever, and, and so you, when it was dark, I remember it was in winter, and so we, there were a bunch of us kids, and we would go around, um, you know, up and down the streets, um, banging on people's doors and saying, have you got, have you got burglar alarm? Um, and uh, it was a really... Probably a re quite disconcerting. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a hard sell. Um, and amazingly, you know, amazingly we did, I think I sold, I think I sold two systems actually doing that, um, which is, I don't know, people must have been... People must be nicer in the old days. I don't know, but that was, that was certainly <laughs> that was one of my very first jobs. Brilliant. Um, question three: What makes you happy at work? 
Um, well, there's lots of things. Um, so I think the th thing that's most fun is where you're having a conversation about something that you're trying to do in the future and you've just got that quite fun dynamic going where typically it's quite a laugh, um, but also people are just coming up with some quite good ideas and then you're going backwards and forwards with them and 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 coming up with ideas and dropping the idea and then coming back to the idea. And, and, and that whole process is just that whole... Um, that innovation piece is just is just brilliant and other than that just uh, sometimes we have our passel punting so just going out with everyone and just working with nice people basically is is the is the best bit mm, good answer question four what are you listening to at the moment so that could be a podcast um obviously apart from the cmo series uh music or an audiobook well, I don't actually listen to very much music. I noticed when you saw when I saw this question. So, um, so what what I get, I basically get tortured by my kids in my car. And at the moment, what the trouble is, what they do is they find some songs and then they just play them until they're dead, um, which is just a real shame. But anyway, so I'm getting a lot of Michael Jackson, getting a lot of Billy Jean at the moment. That's <laughs> but, but the trouble is, I know that in three weeks from now it'll just be dead to me, and I won't be able to listen to it anymore because I've listened to it a few hundred times in you know three weeks or whatever. So yeah that's kids for you <laughs> um and the last question where is your favorite place to visit and why um so my favorite place to visit i don't usually go back to the same place twice but i have been back to costa rica twice um both for long stays and it's just fantastic i it's i, I went there without kids and i went there with young kids and it the just the the wildlife that's there something like five percent of all all the species on the planet are in Costa Rica, um, which is about the size of Wales or something. It's really not a very big place. Um, and so there's 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 mountains and there's 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 two oceans and it's just amazing. Cloud forests, tremendous. Mm. So that's a really good, a really good visit. Well, yeah, that does sound amazing. Um, that's it. Thank you, Tom. Uh, we're just out of time. But uh, thanks for coming on and really, really interesting to hear more about the four pillars and um, some of your favourite reads. Thank you. And speak no, soon. thank you. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs>